Are you a course creator? Have you been feel frustrated that the course completion rate is so low inside your courses? That means your students or your clients, they are not really getting that what you have put in. Oftentimes, that means they won't get the result, that transformational result that you promise. And even worse, they're going to say, this course doesn't work. Well, I have a good news for you. Today, my podcast guest, Dr. Carrie Rose, will answer the following questions for us. Let me read the note. Why most course that completion rate is so low, as low as 3% and hers up to 96%. Yeah, you heard me right. 96. Number two, that shall we actually do those assessment questions inside a course or not? Does it really help? Number three, that how to satisfy different learning styles of our students? And what is that most important element for our course creating that we need to know? And actually, so much more. But before that, let me introduce you, Dr. Carrie Rose. Here is her bio. She holds Ed D in Educational Leadership from the University of Central Florida. Wrote her doctoral dissertation on professional development and is best known for her innovative teaching strategies and methodology. Her current research, this is the point, is in course completion rates and connecting online course development with the science of learning. Currently, she works with entrepreneurs, just like us, online marketers, and business around the country or internationally, actually, to provide the highest quality of learning strategies with the greatest amount of impact on a variety of different platforms. Are you excited? I hope so. This episode is you gonna be watch again and probably stop and rewind and watch again. Please do go to the show note that because there are a lot of uh, links and also the content that you would really want to reference on. Now, that's a chat with Dr. Kerry. Welcome to the show, Dr. Kerry. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. It's so awesome that I got a doctor on the show, you know? Oh. <laughs> normal person. You got a normal person on the show. <laughs> and also that, I mean, obviously this show, uh, you know, will go to iTunes everywhere else, the podcast playing, and this episode will go to my YouTube channel as well because I have a, a sense already. This episode will be one of those that you guys are going to have to watch, take notes, Go back, rewind, watch, take notes. So, uh, so anyway, so you know, Carrie, that uh, in the introduction, I already shared with the audience, you know, your your awesome credential, everything, and I'm like beyond exciting to. Um, okay, all my fellow friends, don't write me hate emails. I know I have <laughs> friends that say, "Why you are so excited about her? How about us?" You know, we all gone, gone to your podcast. No, okay, guys, it's for a reason, right? Because I think 90% uh, of the um, leaders out there, when it come to the course creating or course selling promotion, I mean, we probably have a gazillion of them out there. 
but we rarely have a professional to talk about after you buy the course, what do we do with it? You know, we have a, such a low, low uh, completion rate and that's not really good thing at all. So, but before that, can you share with us a little bit about your journey? How did you become this expert in this area? Well, thank you so much for all of the kind words. I really appreciate it. You know, um, just to really touch into you, where your audience is at right now, honestly, like, you know, as a Christian leader, that you are here to help people, right? Like, you know it in your, in your core, you know that part. And that's why you keep showing up in those leadership roles and you keep taking on other people to support. And what I feel in my core is that at no other time in human history have purpose-driven entrepreneurs had a tool at their disposal to make massive impact on a global scale if they take responsibility for their students' success. Because I think that's the true differentiator is that, you know, you can make a program, but it's whether or not they're actually going to be successful with that that's going to mean whether or not you transform their lives. And I think that all of you, if you're listening to, to this podcast in particular, that's what you're here to do right now. So, like, first of all, I want to honor you for that, and I want you to really focus in on how this podcast can help you on that journey. You know, I witnessed something, and more to your point, this is more of like how you turn your mess into your message, right? Um, I witnessed something pretty traumatic when I was about four years old, and I blacked out. And when I came to, I had something known as selective mutism for six mm -hmm. years of my life. So from the time I was four till 10, I barely spoke. Not that I couldn't physically speak, it's just I didn't really do that. Um, I'm also dyslexic. Uh, so between the two, when I started fifth grade, I still didn't learn how to read. This was the eighties and they were just passing me along. It was not the same kind of education system we're looking at today. And I got to the fifth grade and I had Mrs. D Taylor in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And she took me from that quiet shell of a human being to the highest standardized test score that school had seen in one year's time. And when I say that, it's not, it's not like, oh, kudos, you know, it's kudos to her. She did all of the work. I was where I was, you know, and she took me from here to there, um, or there to here, I guess, is more, more appropriate. And what she taught me was the power of impact that we can create with another human being when we care and we know the right strategies to use. And I spent 10 years of my adult life working in public education um, primarily with students from low socioeconomic backgrounds, so the kind of kids you weren't really sure um, when they went home on Friday if they were being fed until you saw them again on Monday morning. So that mm -hmm. kind of environment, um, and really just focused in on how could I be Mrs. Taylor? Like, how could I make the kind of gains with these students that she made with me? And so I became obsessed with what were the strategies. And I'm like, I already had the heart in place. I became obsessed with what were the strategies that were going to make a difference. And as I went through, I, I felt like maybe some of you might be feeling like right now, like it is great when you can make an impact with another human being. And it is great when you can make an impact with 20. And then you start to wonder, what else could you do? You know, like how many more people could you reach if you just kind of reframe things in a different way? And I wasn't sure what that looked like. So I went to go get my doctorate at the University of Central Florida. And I thought I worked for the Department of Ed, either state or federal level. I'm not really good with red tape. And so when I realized that, I was like, this isn't for me. What else? And what happened was I met three internet marketers uh, mm -hmm. one night that introduced me to the world of online marketing. And it was something that I hadn't really explored before. I mean, like I knew what the internet was, you know, this is 
2012. It wasn't that long ago. I knew what the internet was, but not how it was being used. Mm-hmm. Um, really, I was kind of clueless to that that whole side of things. And maybe you've been there before. You might kind of be in there now where you're really discovering like what is available to you in the online business space. And they, they wanted to teach me all about online marketing. And so what they did was they gave me access to all of these online courses to learn online marketing. And what I found was we were making some of the same mistakes inside of these online programs that we were making inside of public education because we do what's been done. We teach how we've been taught. And so I said, whoa, you know, this is a major tool here. We could use this to make it a major difference if we knew how. And so I created a process that's based on over 500 research studies on how the human brain connects to content um, to build online courses through. And we still use the process to the day. And as a result of using this process alone, we've gotten clients up to 96% completion rates when the industry averages 3 to 5%. I wrote a whole book on what else you can do because there are other things. There's this plus that. It's never just a one variable. It's like a bunch of mitigating factors, right? Um, but yeah, that's just been my focus now is how do we get people to actually learn? How do we get people actual results? Because I want my impact to be like Mrs. Taylor's. Yes. My goodness, 96% people. I mean, yeah. I guess <laughs> if you... I, I think I'm not already like including myself saying if I can even just get half of that, it, it's it's already huge difference, right? Yes. So uh what would you say that well you can't I guess answer the question why we have such a low co- uh, course complete completion rate? It's oh, how we make the you know what kind of mistake actually we make. Can we talk about that? Sure. I mean, so there's some from the education perspective and there's some from the marketing perspective. And if you're looking at an online course, you're looking at a blend of two, right? You're looking at what was the process to convert them into a student to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then you're looking at once they're a student, what are we doing? Right. Um, and so there are a couple of different components here. The first one is that I always look at isn't really from an education perspective. It's more from a marketing perspective. And that is, are you making the right course in the first place? Mm-hmm. Um, offer is critical. It's critical in your ability to sell and make conversions, but it's also critical that there's a, you know, a sense of congruence between what the offer is, you know, what they're expecting to get as their end result, and what actually happens when they go inside of the course. So that's you know, twofold. What do they expect the end result to be, and how able are you to deliver on that actual end result? They're not... They're not coming to you with a, I want your system for whatever. That's not actually it. They don't really want your system, you know, unless your system is so great. Like if I tell you my process is based on over 500 research studies, some of you that matters, some of you that doesn't. What you really want is a course done that you can sell. What you really want is a course that's going to make a difference in another person's life. You don't necessarily want my process, right? So we have to like kind of move ourselves back from it. So starting with like, have you defined your customer avatar? Like that is like square one in marketing, but it is square one in course creation also. And there should be the same person. If you've got your customer avatar for your Facebook ads and your marketing funnel, then that should be the, the same one for your, you know, your course. There might be a differentiator as in, where they are on your customer's success path, right? Mm-hmm. So like if you're imagining your customer's success path, like maybe when you start your nurture sequence, they're over here, but you've given them enough information that by the time you're getting into the course and the offer, 
they're actually at a level where they're able to purchase it because they no longer have like a great deal of cognitive dissonance around the other material that you've already educated them on, you know, but if they are, if they're just barely tying their shoes, they're not ready to ride a bike. You know? yeah. So you have to think of your content in that way. Like, have they reached a point where they're ready for this information? And then are people buying the information that you want to put together? So a lot of times course creators coming from a really, really loving place. Right? Yes. There's, there's two people. There's, I would say, course creators and marketers, okay? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, those are sometimes very different people. But we need good course creators to be solid marketers. But if we're looking at, like, the course creators that are coming here with a huge heart and they've said, this has helped me so much. That's usually where it starts from. This has helped me so much. And I know that if I can just give this to somebody else, it's going to help them too. Well, maybe. <laughs> and to what degree? And, you know, like I'm trying to think of something that I've learned that wouldn't necessarily help someone else, but I usually use the example of I'm a walking internet movie database. So (laughs) if you, if you ask me any questions about movies, I can play, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon with the best of them and never falter. That's a Gen X reference, but and never falter because I know all of the movies and who was in them and whoever like, and, and who produced and who started and what with whom, when. Um, and, but it's not something that anybody would want inside of a course and maybe it's helped me in my life, but it's not something that you would necessarily want if you're coming to me for course creation. So I have to kind of go like this content isn't meant for this audience, mm. you know, as, or is everything I'm looking at putting together in this offer, something that they want to buy. Have you actually done the research and research looks like a lot of different ways right now online and so, and I question a lot of the research method. So let's just get into a little bit of that. There's the ask method. If you have read the book or you, if you haven't read the book, read the book. If you have read the book, use it the way that Ryan Levesque mentions inside the book. What ends up happening a lot of times is people will post on Facebook, hey, do you think I should build a course on, I don't know, skateboarding? And then someone who used to skateboard with them in middle school will go, yes, you'd be great at that. But that doesn't mean, or their aunt might be like, yeah, I saw you doing an Ollie once and that was perfect. But it doesn't mean that people are actually buying your skateboarding course or would want to buy a skateboarding course from you. The other thing that I've seen people doing is just going ahead and not doing any research whatsoever. There's that option, which that never works. Or having phone calls one-on-one with people. Mm. Phone calls one-on-one with people can give you data. But in statistical terms, what we like to look at is, you know, I'm a researcher, I'm an academic by trade. I like to look at is the sample size representative of the population, which just basically means, did you poll enough people to bet your money on it? Mm. And I promise you, if you only got on the phone with like 10 to 15 people, you didn't pull enough people to bet your money on it. And especially if they didn't actually give you money <laughs> for the conversations that you had, right? So what I like to do is really look in Amazon because it is like the number one place people go to purchase things and purchase how-to information all the time in the form of books and really read through those reviews and see what I can get out of it. You know, like are people A, wanting to buy the information I'm wanting to sell? If there is no book on the topic anywhere, you probably don't want to make that course. You know, if you think about things in terms of like, cookbooks. Like I love cooking. I can't tell you how many cookbooks I have. I have Food Network TV bookmarked on my, on my computer. I'm pointing to it in front of me, right? I'm opening my uh, phone all the time to get new recipes. I love cooking. 
I can never get enough cookbooks. I could never get enough recipes. If somebody loves fishing, they have all sorts of different lures and poles and they know what each one does and each one, you know, they want to buy more information. They want to buy more tools. They want to buy more because they're fascinated with it. If you have a thing that doesn't have a person buying it already, go make something else. Like stop right there. You know, that's not it. So like my internet movie database research course would not be like a good thing for anybody, right? So like that's the first part. But then it's starting to weed out like what's actually their pain points. When you're reading through these reviews, and I'd suggest reading like the three-star reviews, when you're reading through these reviews, like what are they telling you they're hurting with? Like what is their actual struggle? What do they actually hope, you know, to have? And can you sell what is the magic pill for that? You know, there's no real magic pill. They're going to have to do some work here, right? But is what you're going to offer to them going to answer their actual pain points? So what I mean by that is like if you have a course that you're putting together, you know, maybe that helps with insomnia. You're looking for what their pain points are so that you can fix them you know, as so that the offer is crafted around that solving for an insomnia problem, not everything else they have in their day. That's not what you're going to fix. Right. And that really, you know, uh, I often uh, preach, preach about this. It's when we try to, uh, a lot of people try to skip away, like understand their avatar or ideal client profile or that kind of thing. And you just cannot because if you don't know that person enough, also not just pain point, also the desire, right? Mm-hmm. I think the both, right? Um, um, otherwise, how can you be possibly create something that will meet their needs? The thing is, though, Carrie, I'm sure you heard enough. Like in our world, we love to say, oh, make sure you just keep it simple. And you just, you know, when you promote that course, just say, uh, as long as you follow my formula, X, Y, Z, that's a hit these three to five points, simple points, you shall have a six figure in seven days. Some, something like that, right? And what would you say about that? Uh, okay, this goes to the I'm only kind of a marketer part, right? So <laughs> I'm a marketer <laughs> for me. I don't market for other people what they're doing is smart marketing. Um, I think that those of us with like clear consciences know that they are going to have to do work in order to get that result, you know? And, and I think that I've seen more and more webinars lately where it says like, Hey, if you're looking for the magic pill, this is not it. If you're Mm. looking to not put any effort in, this is not for you. If you're looking for like, you know, because people are really wanting things to be easier than they are, and what I can say that I'm proud about the online marketing space is I'm seeing more and more people going, yeah, yo, it's not that simple. You need, <laughs> you're going to have to actually apply effort. But if you structure your content in such a way, whereas, hey, if you do everything I say, if you try everything I ask you to do, if you really come to this with an open mind and an opportunity to think differently about what I'm presenting to you, there's a really good chance that you're going to be in a great different place than you are right now. You know, Mm -hmm. the the problem is from a marketing perspective that weakens the language. Okay. So you want to be careful with it, but I like the whole, like, you're going to have to work method, Yes. you know, like you're going to have to work. You're going to have to apply it. You're going to have to do everything. And you know, like these can be part of 
you know, money back guarantees too, or this can be part of like completion guarantees. So, excuse me, some people have been adding things in lately, or I've seen in terms of marketing that kind of speak to the whole completion component in a monetary fashion. So there's a couple of different approaches to this. There is one gentleman that I've seen that completely gives them a refund if they complete the entire course. They give them, he gives them their money back if they get to the end of the course. This isn't, I'll just go ahead and tell you, this is Mike Dillard. This is somebody that's infamous for like amazing marketing strategies. This isn't some Joe Blow off the street and you're like, hey, I wonder if how he's doing. No, he's crushing it financially. And this is one of his methodologies for doing it. But because course completion rates are so low, he will give them a refund if they get to the end of the course and can prove that they've done all of the work. Mm. Okay. So that means to me, the lifetime value of that customer is huge right. and there's greater opportunity on the other side. Don't do that. If that's your only, if that's your highest ticket <laughs> offer, don't do that. That's not going to work for your business model, right? Like you've got to set it up smart, but then, you know, we have something inside of one of our programs and, and our coaching program. That is, if you do all of the work, you attend all of the coaching sessions, um, and you don't get the results that you want, then I'll give you your money back at the end. So for me, it's the other way, but it's just, I want them to show up. I want them to try. I want them to try everything. I want them to think about it differently. Um, and then if they're still not successful, then this wasn't the right offer for them. Yeah. You know? And then I'll take the hit on that because I don't, we, we don't ever want to match a person with the wrong offer. We want to make sure that if they're coming into an offer, it's an alignment. So it does actually get them their results. Yeah. When you come to the engagement inside the course, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as just before we hit record button, I was sharing with uh, uh, Carrie said that, you know, I really to not, not, enough for me personally, just to get people to buy my course or my program, whatever. But it's more important for me actually after they get in and they, they really will go through it and they will follow through, they will get a result because ultimately that is it's a positive cycle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so I really, uh, really want to learn more that how can we get them more engaged. And obviously there's a gazillion way other people talk about it. You know, they are say gamify, they say assessment it, but well be honest with you, some assessment question, that's it, I bought some course. I hate them. <laughs> so where I mean how do we actually is really assessment thing work after each module or is other better way to do that? Okay. Nobody likes them, right? Like who really likes a multiple choice question? Raise your hand if you're at home and you really, yeah, your hands are probably still down. Nobody likes that, but we put them inside of courses and it makes zero sense. When we're trying to give multiple choice assessments to children or for standardized testing, we're looking at something that's norm referenced. So we're looking at something that's statistically compared to other students taking the test and where they should be on like this bell curve model. For you inside of your course, you haven't done that more than likely. (laughs) You're probably (laughs) never going to because it makes no sense. And so really when you're looking at the reliability and validity of the test that you're giving them, there's none. There's there's no validity to it. So stop with that. Um, (laughs) The other side of it is usually if you go through these things, and I have for like 
some of the top certifications that you see online for online marketing, I've evaluated them. I've gone through them and for the, the people that are running them. And usually what happens is you can print out the PDF of the PowerPoint slides and all of the multiple choice questions are taken directly from the slides. It's ridiculous. It, it, it's no assessment whatsoever, really. It is just a hoop to jump. So don't do it. The only reason, <laughs> the only reason to do it is if you are doing some sort of accreditation program where it is tied to some sort of a state something or other mm. or like a, an agency, some, not agency, uh, more like association, association something or other where it has to have that accreditation to it. And even then just know in your head, like in your heart that this actually isn't a thing. It's not. Um, so <laughs> you have to even be more careful around it. And I would design other models if you're going that way. Like for me, if you're, if you're looking at an assessment component for a course like that, uh, you know, a, a multiple choice test versus an actual assignment with a rubric attached to it, the rubric win, wins hands down every time. And that's just a, what a rubric is, is it's an, a, it's a way for us to take qualitative information and turn it into something quantitative. So we take things like a basic Likert scale, or like on a scale from one to 10, how comfortable are you with um, grilling hamburgers? Mm -hmm. anything, right? Uh, I might be a three, you know, but yeah. for me, I'm scaling myself based on a how comfortable do I feel? But if you're giving an assessment, you can actually give what the qualifiers are for that. So maybe like one might be um, can handle putting the charcoal bricks inside of the grill. Two might be charcoal bricks inside the grill and the um, charcoal bricks are lit. Three might be remembered to bring the meat downstairs from the refrigerator plus the charcoal bricks are lit. Four might be seasoned meat appropriately plus the charcoal bricks are lit. Like so, there's different levels to this, and so. This is not about hamburgers. It was just the easiest thing I could think of right now. But so you're looking at how can you actually offer an opportunity to grade what the work is that they're presenting you. Mm. So like if you designed a website for me and handed me a rubric to go grade the website, I could look at it and go, well, you're a three based on what the qualifiers here that are that you're giving me based right. on the degrees to which this is complete and accurate. Yeah. So based on the degrees to which it is appropriate, you know, um, or excellent. Like what does excellence look like? Well, you know, you can tell if it's inside of some sort of rubric fashion, but when you're talking about a multiple choice test, it's just a hoop jump and everybody yeah. knows it and nobody feels good about it. Um, so if you don't actually have a reason for any kind of certification process and it's just a, a so there's two certifications. There's one for the associations that we were talking about in governments and, you know, universities and that sort of thing. And the other side of it is for marketing purposes, right? So a lot of the big thing is to like, oh, I'm going to certify them so that they are a, some person different at the end of the course as opposed to they took a course or they can put it on their LinkedIn, whatever. I'm using that. Mm -hmm. There's a whole lot of this inside of all of education. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll use the air quotes freely here, but um those kinds of courses don't actually need all of that in order to just seem legit, right? Mm -hmm. You could do it based on seat time. You could do it based on discussion points. You could do it based on anything other than a hoop jump with a multiple choice test that nobody likes.
Yeah, exactly. I love that. I love actually what you talk about the hamburger thing, the situation. Obviously, she's very good at hamburger grilling, I can see. <laughs> my, son, my son is way better. <laughs> He's better than both me and my husband. <laughs> yeah, so because I could imagine that, you know, maybe not each module, but in certain places inside the program, when you use that, I can say, okay, I really want to know how my students, mm-hmm. uh, their response to that said this certain part of the framework did they really get it am i am i presenting can i present better that kind of thing um the best way to find out if they got it is to ask an open-ended question Mm. every time because when you when you ask me a question and i'm giving you an answer i'm telling you what i know and what i don't know in a real quick snapshot and if you read it you can go oh they really did not understand that point you know? Um, and then the other part is you could just ask them, <laughs> you know, like, Hey, how well do you feel like you got that on a scale from one to 10? You know, and we've got like, I, I use scale from one to 10 cause it's a really easy way again to take right. qualitative to quantitative, but like even putting inside of your course, what do they call it again? Oh gosh. A net promoter score. Oh. Like at the end of it, you know, how likely are you to recommend this course to friends and family? on a scale from one to 10. Well, you know, you can find out right there how you're doing in a really quick snapshot from your students because they're going to tell you like one, man, this wasn't it. Or 10, yes, hands down. Again, I will, every person I know is coming here. And yeah. you'll feel, and from there, you could also, if you have it in some sort of a database where you can tell who it was that answered that question, somebody gives you a one, have a conversation with them. Mm-hmm. Find out, you know, find out what made it a one. How can you improve it? There's, we're, we're in a continuous learning cycle. Like all of us are as human beings, your students are and you are. And so you might be the utmost authority on one thing, but that doesn't mean you're an utmost authority on getting it across to them. Right. You know? And even myself, like I welcome feedback inside of my course. Like I want them to tell me if I'm doing it right, you know, like, or if it's, it's getting across right, because like the way that my brain works is like 500 research studies, da, 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 you know, like, am I putting it on a human level that they can get to, Mm. you know, like even that, like there's a, there's a jump there. So it's one of those things that I, I wish all course creators were open to is just like good, honest feedback, you know, and creating like, Instead of this is my course, it's one and done, thinking about your course in terms of, and I got this from my friend Norbert Orlowitz when I give credit, um, thinking of your course in terms of an iPhone. You know, there wasn't just one iPhone, there's been many iterations. In fact, every time I need a new one, (laughs) you know, I know when I'm buying them, you know, but it's okay to improve. That's absolutely, that's a part of life. So looking for that information from them is pivotal. So happy that you say that you say maybe that we are the authority for that topic, that course, but it's not necessarily we are the authority when we try to get to them. Uh, because a lot of course creators, I think, sometimes we take that feedback very personally. And we, sure. we, and we feel like, oh, why I did so lousy or, or things like that. But actually, it's not the... It's not like we we are not we, we are not authority anymore in that that topic, but maybe just the way we communicate, the way we present to students, right? That's absolutely. That's and it could just be that one person. 
you know, it could be, but there might be, there might be data. I'm always looking for data. There might be data in there somewhere of like one little tweak that you could have done or one little tweak that you could do right now. It doesn't mean that the whole thing needs to be scrapped. And it sometimes does feel like they just called your baby ugly, but you got to just put that aside and realize like if you were in the room with them, if you had the opportunity to care about them and to know them, which like, and that's the difference between online and face-to-face learning, really. If you had the opportunity to care about them and know them and they, they came to you and they said, I just really don't understand this part, you would answer their question willingly. And that's all that it is. They're just yes. saying, I don't understand this part. Please help me. I missed this. I, had some, I didn't get it. I got asked uh, quite often this question is, but Kelly, when I created my course, I mean, everybody got a different learning style. So how do I make sure I create a course that will satisfy them all? <laughs> Put it all in. Um, that's, that is my easiest answer. Yeah. What we tend to do, like I already said earlier, we teach how we've been taught. That's one. The other step thing is we do what works for us. So you have to be aware of where you fit in with things and that your ideal client may not be you. I had somebody that I'm working with say that, um, oh, my ideal client's me. I'm like, okay, (laughs) you're sure that's what you want, but it may not be you personally, right? So you have to look at things. Like if I spent my focus on just me, my courses would only be based on why people that are interested in numbers that have to do things in order to learn. Mm. Because that's who, that's who I am. Like, if you don't give me the stats behind it, I'm going to wait a minute, but then I'm going to turn off. Like, doop, because I don't know what the numbers are. Why? If it's either got to make a logical sense for me or it's got to be a number. Mm. Numbers I can understand. That's why I take quali- or quantitative in- or qualitative and turn it into quantitative all the time. I'm like, what are the numbers? What do the numbers tell us? Because there's a beautiful story inside of them for me, not for everybody else. Right. You know, some people have to jump into doing. Like, if you, spend an extra period of time with my husband and you gave him a bunch of whys, he'd start snoring. Um, no, just kidding. He would, <laughs> he would definitely get sleepy at it though because it's not his thing. He's got to jump in and do the thing. He doesn't mm-hmm. want the story that goes before it. He's got to go do it. Right. You know? For me, as far as like when you're looking at auditory or visual or kinesthetic, I'm kinesthetic. So mm-hmm. I have to do it, but if I don't understand why first, it doesn't get there. So it's really about putting these pieces together in a way that you're meeting all of the needs. And I'll also say that the, the visual auditory kinesthetic sides of like the learning modalities has come up in recent articles and stuff that really say that there's not a whole lot of research to support it. And I would just say, yes, and. So I'm always looking for yes and instead of ors for things. Ors are negating, but and is how do we build and how do we take that information and put it into something more practical. Mm. The problem with throwing that out is that I know what I am. I'm kinesthetic. So I already know what I am. And if you're telling me that it doesn't exist, it doesn't mean that I'm not looking for my kinesthetic components inside of the course that I'm taking. If someone thinks that they're visual and you don't have any like images that pop up or anything to read anywhere, Are they going to be interested in your course just because some article said not to do that anymore or not to worry about it, right? So you have to kind of adjust with like the human factor of what's going on inside of the people's heads that are going through your program. 
And so my message to you is really to try everything that you can do. Okay. So from the simplest factor, like the easiest thing that you can do without knowing everything else that I know. Okay. Film your videos, take your videos, strip the audio, take the audio, have the audio transcribed, offer all three versions inside of your course. Mm. Just start with that. Like you don't have to know every little detail that you can throw at them. But if you could just do that inside of there, now you're meeting different people at where they're at. Yeah, exactly. I remember when last year I did uh, the Christian CEO Summit and mm-hmm. it's very rich in uh, the video, audio, and also some uh, workbook. Mm-hmm. And, but then what I did not do is the transcription. Summits are harder than courses to do that though, just to give yourself some grace there because summits are like you're moving in real time and it's got to go up right now. And there's a lot of interview factors going on, you know, and even if you send it out to Rev to get it transcribed, you've got to have time to read it to make sure it's right. Well, they did it as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that very humbling though. I got an email Mm -hmm. from, uh, 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 part, I mean, of our attendee. She said, I love everything. I can hear everything, but because I'm blind. Mm-hmm. So I would, I wish that you would have the transcription. Wait, she's blind? Or no, she's she, uh, sorry, she deaf. has uh, uh, the hearing. The hearing uh, yeah, deaf. So, so I feel so bad. <laughs> that moment, you know, it, it just, I feel like, you know, uh, that's just an example. Say, you know, um, I feel like I did not serve her good mm-hmm. enough because I did not think it's just like so many things going on when during lunch, and uh, yeah. and yeah, so you know, so but but now since you're listening to the podcast, you don't have excuse, just yeah. <laughs> to do it. <laughs> you know, uh, well, and then you can always offer it as a transcription version on the evergreen, like just being honest with where you're at, like, hey, this isn't a time factor, and sometimes. Right. Because honestly, when we do our summits, we get videos back the night before they go up. I promise. Like there was one person that we ended up removing from our summit on the last day she was supposed to go up, but she still hadn't turned in her video yet. So things like that will happen. And so getting a time for transcription turnaround is very difficult. But if you're going to go evergreen with it later, hey, this is what's, you know, available to you now inside of the evergreen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're all human, right? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> human. <laughs> I mean, I can just sit down, check with you. I know Mike Kim said the same. Hi, Mike. By the way, you you heard. And uh, um, but uh, I think maybe it just let us know that you know, departing wisdom. And also, I want you to share with us that I know you in your website, uh, in your ecosystem that. You have different way to serve all the course creator. I wanted to share that too. Oh, thank you so much. And I think I'm gonna send you some links and yeah, the yeah. show notes. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about, but about yeah. So if you wanna catch my summit, which doesn't have transcriptions, um, <laughs> we, did the, we did the online course success summit in twenty twenty and Mike Kim was actually a speaker on that. Um, we kinda of, we've uh, met at a an event and then became friends and then yeah. Um, so that is available that you can get a 72 hour access to go in, dive in and check out all of the wisdom that's shared inside of that summit, which is pretty powerful. Honestly, we try really hard every year to make it better than the year before. 
it's always the goal, right? Is that how do we improve and, and how do we reach more people? Um, truthfully and departing words of wisdom intention is everything so as we talked about just a minute ago um, offering yourself grace for wherever you're at is extremely important and I'd say grace for you and intention for what you want to give to them and be really clear on it that energy it flows across everything that you do so if you come to it with I don't know what I'm doing. I'm upset. I'm confused. I've got this, that, the other thing going on, whatever it is. That's going to carry to the people on the other side of your screen. And that's going to carry to the people that you're trying to impact. So really just like, if you are a Christian leader, take a few minutes to pray before you sit down to work. <laughs> you know, like, let's be in alignment here. Like that, you know, for me, like, I just ask, you know, how can I serve? How yeah. can I show up here? You know, what's going to benefit people here? And when you start like putting it off of your shoulders and start giving it up that way, you know, you're going to get the guidance that you want. You already know that. Just trust in the process and you are going to end up serving and, you know, showing up and serving those people. That's the goal. And uh, can I just add that, yes. you know, there is no such a thing called perfect course, right? No. <laughs> It's just like what a uh, moment ago, uh, Carrie mentioned about even iPhone have, you know, I mean, now is what I, I don't know if I cannot keep I even uh, like 11 points something or I even don't know. Right. So um, uh, just I often want to say when I got on stage to speak, uh, one of my sentences people love is I say, you know, just like iPhone every year, they got one version. You are looking at a woman at 52.0 version. So <laughs> whatever I speak. So high they, five. Yeah, high five, right? So it's just like this. And uh, so give yourself grace and but then carry that intention uh, to serve the people. Then your course would be awesome. There you go. Focus yeah. on them. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. Carey. We cannot thank you enough for giving us so much value today. And we surely, actually, she's so humble. I mean, she did not, actually still did not share. She has, actually have a lot of different things. Can either it's a DIY method, you know, type of style or the, okay, share, share. Yeah, yeah. We have a course that walks you through our course creator method, which is based on over 500 research studies. Um, on how the human brain connects to content. But for you, it helps you create your course in record time. The whole thing is only like an hour and a half long. So it's pretty fast, pretty simple, and just meant to get you from completely stuck to a produced course. And we do work one-on-one -on -one with clients through different coaching and one-on-one -on -one course build means. So yeah, definitely a few different options. Yeah, so we got to put all those links. Well, this, okay. show, this show, no, you got to have to go there, okay? You got to have to go there. And uh, um, in the introduction or in the end, you will hear the show no number, and then you will go there, you will get all the link. Myself, I'm going to go to check it out because I'm in the middle of creating my signature course. So awesome. uh, thank you so much again, Carrie. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Take care, y'all. Thank you. So what do you think? For me personally, I took a lot of notes and I cannot wait to check those links from Dr. Carey because I really want to improve my course creation process and so that my students will benefit. And that is all about serving, right? For the show note, please go to kellybottle.com forward slash 090 or you can click a link below if you are watching us from YouTube channel.
Okay. Since you are here, if you are one of those leaders that you would like to become a market one, truly take that stand that God has put you in the markets for, so you can finally serve the tribe that you are called to. Then please also check the link below that we would like to speak with you and see how we can help you. Just don't leave yet. If you are on your journey to build your online business, here are some valuable and practical videos to help you. So please click on link and go watch it. I will see you in the next video.